my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. You are listening to another episode of The Mark Moss Show where we talk about Bitcoin. We talk about the decentralized revolution, and we talk about politics, technology, and finance in the context of those, so just so we can uh, have a better understanding of what is going on in the world, how it's changing, and more importantly, how we can personally navigate that so we can survive and thrive as this is changing. Now, one thing about Bitcoin that's very difficult for a lot of people to understand is that it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things, and it's going to be more things than what we know it is. It's a new technology, and so as humans, we try to understand it um, by comparing it to something else that we know. It's sort of like this, sort of like uh, when electricity came out, the first application of electricity was the light bulb. So then you would say, well, what is this electricity thing? And you would say, well, it's sort of like a digital candle. Well, what do we need that for? Candles have been light for 5,000 years, and they work pretty good. And look, it's portable. I don't need all this, these wires and all this stuff, right? So um, Bitcoin is like digital cash. Yes, it's like that. It's like digital gold. Sure, it's like that. But it's going to be so many more things. And so it's hard to understand that. 
And so I like to look at that, but really um, it's fixing a lot of things. And when you're looking at something new, like a new technology like this, one of the least important things to look at is the price of it. What's more important is the problems that it's solving. You're trying to predict where it's going to go in the future and looking at the daily price or the weekly or monthly price is just a distraction in my opinion. Now, I do like to say that the price is like the ultimate bait and switch. It sucks people in for the money, for the number go up technology, and then it switches them into a freedom mindset, long-term mindset. But, you know, like I said, it is, it is the bait and switch. And so people are coming into it for the money. And when you look at uh, it from the money standpoint, you think about the, the adoption of it and you look at Wall Street coming into it, the hedge funds coming into it, et cetera. And one of well, the, the biggest bank in the United States, J.P. Morgan Chase, head up by Jamie Dimon, um, you know, you would think that being one of the biggest banks and Jamie Dimon arguably being one of the most powerful and influ influential people in the United States and, and in the world because of running the bank, He's been a, a giant uh, opponent of Bitcoin. I think it was 2017, he famously kind of came out and said that, um, you know, it's a fraud, it's a scam. He said if anybody at JP Morgan even traded it, they'd be fired. Um, he's been very vocal against it. And, and of course, it, it makes sense, right? I mean, running the biggest bank, uh, you don't want something to come compete for you. However, you know, the old saying, if you can't beat them, join them, so to speak. And of course, uh, we've seen all the big banks, including JP Morgan, getting in on the Bitcoin action. And this week, we saw um, an article come out from their research team that was pretty amazing. And banking giant JP Morgan said in a note Wednesday that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are now among its preferred, quote, alternative investments. So wow, what a difference, right? It went from Jamie Dimon saying if anybody even traded it, they'd be fired to now the bank saying it's in their preferred alternative investments. So what does that mean? Well, let's let's break this down a little bit. So it says that um, Bitcoin's steep sell-off. So what does that mean? The, the Bitcoin's steep sell-off. So the price of Bitcoin is down. Okay, it's down. I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody. Uh, it had reached a previous uh, um, high of about 69,000 in November of 2021. And since then, it's been sliding down. I'm going to talk about how far it's down, especially in relation to some of the other tech darlings. Um, but in Bitcoin's steep sell-off, as well as that of other cryptocurrencies, has been profound and has been more profound than other alternative investments, such as private equity, private debt, and real estate. Couple things I'd say about that. Private equity. Private equity, that's not a liquid market. It's not mark to market. What does that mean? It's not, we don't know the price of that every day. Um, a lot of private equity, especially when it comes to like venture type deals, you may not know how that shapes out for seven to 10 years. Um, private debt, again, that's not mark to market. There's no liquid event. Real estate, it's not mark to market either. And so, um, of course, uh, it's much more volatile, it's much more profound in their words. But it said, therefore, the bank envisions more room for a rebound in the digital assets class than in other alternative classes. So what they're saying is that because Bitcoin has sold off more than equity, private debt, and real estate, they expect there to be more of a rebound. <laughs> so notice they didn't say they think it's going to zero and it's going to crash. What they're saying is, no, it's going to rebound and it's going to rebound even faster than those other alternative classes. Quote here. It says, we, quote, we thus replace real estate with digital assets as our preferred alternative asset class along with hedge funds. That's what they wrote per the strategist. So now they're saying that uh, we think that Bitcoin is better than real estate. That's what they're saying. 
I guess what they're saying is they think that over the next you know near term that Bitcoin will rebound faster and higher than real estate. It's their preferred alternative asset class. JP Morgan strategist reportedly said um, that they're sticking with their view that $38,000 was a fair price for Bitcoin. That's about 27.5% higher than its current price of about $29,000, $30,000 right now. So a lot of times people want to know, is it a good price? Is it not? Should I buy? Should I, should I not buy? They say that they think the fair market price is 38000 which is 27% higher than where it is today. So what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, it's going straight up to 38000 No, it definitely doesn't mean that. Does it mean that it can't drop lower than here? No, it doesn't mean that either. But what it does mean is that they're, they're, they're projecting what they think to be a fair market valuation today of about $30,000. Now, as an investor, the goal is to buy low and sell high, right? That's easy. Well, it's easier said than done anyway. Um, it's so easy to just buy low, but how do you know when it's low and how do you know if it's gonna go high? Well, you're trying to figure out what these fair market valuations are. And so I think um, what they're saying is that they think the fair market value is 38,000. So anytime you can buy below that value, that would be considered a bargain. Now, that doesn't mean that fair market value won't continue to go up, which of course it will. JP Morgan and Citibank have also put out guidance. They think that Bitcoin will overtake gold. Well, gold's about a $12 trillion asset, which gives us about a 20x upside from here just from that alone. You know, when you're looking at venture type um, deals, what you're trying, typically trying to do is try and invest into a company that's going to create a new category. So, for example, Uber. I've used this example before. But with Uber, let's say that you know, you're in Silicon Valley getting pitched Uber, and they're like, hey, I have this app, and it's going to help do ride shares, and uh, people are going to be able to call cars from their phone. And you're like, well, that's stupid. I never heard of that before. Um, how much do you think it's worth? And they're like, oh, it's worth $100 million. You're like, what? what? I've never even heard of this before. How the heck did you come up with $100 million? That's a, that's a ridiculous evaluation. Well, um, you know, the taxi industry is this big and the limo industry is this big and the van share, uh, ride share industry is this big. And if we can get 5% of each of those, then we can get to 100 million, right? So something like that. And you would also look at the same with Bitcoin. If it can overtake gold per Citibank and JP Morgan's guidance, well, that's a like I said, 20x right there. Okay, what what else? Well, it's kind of like having a Swiss bank account in your pocket. Swiss uh, bank accounts have always been the best place to park money offshore, but not so much anymore. Now, these rush rich and oligarchs are getting their accounts frozen. However, the rich still put their money into offshore bank accounts to protect it. And there's about 40 trillion sitting in offshore bank accounts. Could it get 10% of that? Well, there's another 4 trillion there. There's $20 trillion in negative yielding bonds could it take five or ten percent of that okay there's another two two to four trillion dollars and very quickly you can see how fast that can start adding up so while they say that they think the fair market value today is thirty eight thousand, that doesn't mean that's where the cap is that doesn't mean where it's going to go and it depends on obviously what time frame you're looking at I like to think if you're going to hold Bitcoin for at least three years, you don't really need to worry about it. And I say three years because there's never been a point that you could have bought and been underwater three years later. Uh, if you would have bought at the peak in, in uh, 2017 at $20,000, it took about three years to get back to a new, new all-time high. Um, but it's not just that. Uh, there's a new report here that I want to talk about. It says that Bitcoin is better than the NASDAQ. Now, NASDAQ is all the tech-heavy stocks, the FANGs, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, etc. And I want to show you that you know Bitcoin's too volatile, supposedly. But is it? 
Is it doing better than the FANG stocks? We're going to talk about that and more. I got I got some numbers in front of me, and it is going to shock you. You're going to be blown away here. Um, and I got some stuff coming out of uh, the bankers, and you'll be surprised what they said. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the decentralized revolution, breaking it down for you play-by-play play so you can navigate this correctly and more. I'm going to be back with all that in a second, so don't go away. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, and we are narrating it. We're navigating it for you so you can uh, take advantage of it, not be left behind. Now, before the break, I was talking about JP Morgan changing their story 
you know, if you can't beat them, join them kind of a thing. Or maybe it's the Gandhi quote, which is uh, first they laugh at you, uh, then they fight you, and, and then they join you kind of a thing. But Jamie Dimon, JP Morgan has been way outspoken against Bitcoin, saying they would fire anybody who even traded it. And here they are now saying that they think it's going to overtake gold and they think that there's a 28% upside uh, on Bitcoin right now today based off what they consider the fair market valuation, which is pretty amazing. Um, now, that's their guidance. I don't know if that's not necessarily my opinion. Um, another analyst that I follow, uh, a good friend, Nick Batia, he's been on the show before. Um, he put out um, some, some reports this week showing based off of about five different metrics that he put out that he thinks maybe it's more around um, the bottom, I should say, is around 20 to 20, about 22,000. And so what do I mean by that? The bottom meaning he thinks that if, if, if it did, if it could get pushed down that far, and I'm not saying it will and probably not, JP Morgan saying it's going to go up by 28%. But even if it did, if some, if some of these hedge funds attacked it, you know, um, you know, whatever the, the 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 markets crashed and people were rushing for liquidity. He thinks that even if it got down there, that'd be the absolute bottom, and people would buy it back up from there. Um, and so, you know, we'll have to wait and see. So, if the bottom is somewhere around twenty, and then the current fair market value is um, forty, that means your risk to reward ratio is pretty good. I think it. I said if it just overtakes gold, I mean that's a twenty x upside. So I have a twenty x upside with a you know zero point two percent downside. Like I like those odds. Those are pretty good odds, and you should too. Now um, the 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 stock market and really the economy of the United States has been driven by the tech stocks. Uh, over the last 20 years, of course, and over the last decade specifically, it's been driven by internet stocks. We talk about the fangs. The fangs are Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, right? Those kind of led, led it. And all the tech stocks are, or most of these tech stocks are in the NASDAQ index. You have the S&P 500, you have the NASDAQ, um, et cetera. And so the NASDAQ has been the place to be. And so financial advisors, they like to talk about how, um, how Bitcoin is, uh, you know, it's a new asset. It's maybe it's like a tech stock. It's been kind of trading along with the Nasdaq, sort of like it's been treated like that. And because it's trading along with that, it's it's got a lot of uh, high correlation. So meaning they're correlated, moving together up and down, which they are. And I think what that demonstrates really uh, mostly is just that a lot of these tech investors are also investing into Bitcoin right now. And so they just treat it like everything else in their portfolio. Now, everything's correlated until it's not. And so it doesn't mean it always will be that way. Um, but I think that um, if we if we look at this, if we if we looked at, you know, a lot of a lot of these tech investors look at Bitcoin as another tech play. So could Bitcoin be like the next Amazon? Not in a sense of what it does or the use case of it, but just in how um, the valuation could grow, things like that. Um, could it be the next Bitcoin? Could it be like the next um, Apple, Facebook, etc.? But I think that um, if you look at it that way, it's way too small. It's way too limiting. I think a much better analogy would be to look at um, Bitcoin as the NASDAQ, not one of the companies in the NASDAQ, but as the NASDAQ. Because what we're seeing is we're seeing all of these companies now being built on Bitcoin, just like all these other companies are on the NASDAQ, listed on the NASDAQ. Now all these other companies are being built on Bitcoin. We're going to talk about some of this new technology that's being built on Bitcoin in a minute. Um, but if we look at this, um, like I said, these, you know, most of the tech investors, most of the stock investors, really, most of the wealth that's been created in the stock market has come from this tech sector. The top seven companies in the index are Apple, 
Microsoft, Google, Alphabet, um, Amazon, Tesla, NVIDIA, and Facebook, or, or Meta as it's called, which um, have generated $10 trillion worth of wealth in the last decade alone, which is pretty big. But they're not quite the darlings that they have always been. And so what we've seen for a couple of things, one, what we really saw through the election process in 2020 is that the, there's a lot of regulatory risk that's been coming to these tech stocks. So um, everyone talks about, well, just wait until they regulate Bitcoin, which I would respond with. Well, Bitcoin is already regulated. As a matter of fact, it's probably the most regulated asset in the world. Every financial or every regulation is, uh, in, entity in the United States already regulates it. The IRS, the SEC, the CFTC, we got FinCEN. I mean, you name it. Everybody has put regulations on top of Bitcoin, and they don't all chime in on other types of assets. And so it's already there. But what we're seeing is increased regulations against these um, tech stocks. And so, um, you know, with President Trump, you saw he get kicked off of Twitter. But before he got kicked off of Twitter, they were talking about um, repealing this protection, this Section 203 um, that they have. I'm not going to get deep into that right now. Um, but, you know, there's uh, allegations of monopolies being built, of uh, manipulation, election tamp tamp um, tampering, of, uh, you know, censoring, things like that. And I think uh, more and more people are starting to wake up and see this. The regulators, are, the politicians are starting to see this as well. And there's, there's a lot of regulatory risk there. And I think the, the future of tech stocks is greatly diminished because of that. I think we've seen all this growth, but in this environment that we're in, all the money in the markets is rotating from tech and growth and moving into value, commodities, things like that. Um, with less liquidity, without the ability to borrow a bunch of money, it's going to make it harder for them to grow. And I don't see them repeating a 10x return over the next decade. That's where Bitcoin comes in. I think Bitcoin can outperform that. Now, a lot of people say that Bitcoin's too volatile. It's too volatile, right? <clears throat> well, let's take a look at that. So year to date, from January 1st to today, Bitcoin is down 37%. It's a big drop. I'm not going to lie, 37%. But you know what else is down 30% year to date? Tesla, Tesla's down 37% year to date. Amazon is down 34% year to date, about the same. Netflix is down 68% year to date, almost double what Bitcoin's down. Shopify is down 75% year to date. Meta, Facebook, is down 44%. So when you look at the tech stocks, Tesla, Amazon, Netflix, Shopify, Facebook, Bitcoin's doing better. So yes, it's down. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not going to lie to you. It's down, but not as much as Tesla, Amazon, Netflix, Shopify, Meta. Google's down 25%. So not quite as bad. And so, as I said, Bitcoin is, is, is being looked at as like a tech stock. It's trading along with the NASDAQ. There's a high correlation there now. Doesn't mean there will always be there. But it is there now. But it seems to be holding up better than Tesla, Amazon, Netflix, Shopify, and Facebook Meta. So is it too volatile? <laughs> well, if you think that's too volatile, then you also have to think all of those are too volatile as well. <clears throat> now, volatility is also a good thing, right? Volatility works both ways. It goes up and down. How does an asset like Bitcoin go from zero to being worth $30,000 today without volatility? The answer is it doesn't. If it wasn't volatile at all, it'd just be stuck at zero forever. And so you want volatility. You want prices to go up and down. 
and that's what's happening. Now, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, Bitcoin. We're talking about um, this decentralized revolution that the world is going through, and we do that by looking at finance, which we're doing right now, of course. Uh, we do that through looking at politics, which affects the finance, and of course, how technology reshapes the world. I have a lot more to cover. I want to talk about what uh, some of these uh, people at World Economic Forum said about SWIFT. I want to talk about the Fed chair, talking about CBDCs. I want to talk about what's happening with the central bankers and so much more. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, where we talk about Bitcoin. We talk about cryptocurrencies, and we talk about the decentralized revolution. And I was uh, talking about before the break how we're seeing this massive shift going on right before our very eyes, of course, in more ways than we can count, one of which is a capitulation by some of these Wall Street banker types. I'm talking about Jamie Dimon, head of the biggest bank in the United States, uh, maybe the world, uh, JP Morgan, and how he went from Bitcoin's the biggest fraud scam uh, thing in the world to, um, and if anybody at JP Morgan ever traded it, I'd fire him, to now JP Morgan putting out guidance saying it's going to overtake Bitcoin and how they think it's um, has a 28% upside today from where they consider it's fair market value. Pretty amazing. Uh, pretty big um, about face, if you will. Um, and we're seeing it all over the place. I mean, it, it is, uh, it's all over the place. We saw this week that uh, at the Federal Reserve, um, the Fed vice chair, Lel Brainerd, she was uh, being questioned by the House Committee on Financial Services asking about um, CBDCs. 
um, which stand for Central Bank Digital Currencies, and being asked specifically if a CBDC could coexist with stable coins. So what does that mean? And what does that have to do with Bitcoin? What does that have to do with the financial system? Well, a lot. So the U.S. Federal Reserve Vice Chair Lil Brainerd said that a central bank digital currency, a CBDC, could, in fact, it could exist alongside stable coins and provide a measure of safety. Why would it uh, provide a measure of safety? Well, let's talk about that. So she says CBDCs could coexist with and be complementary to stable coins and commercial bank money by providing a safe central bank liability in the digital financial ecosystem, much like cash currently coexists with commercial bank money. So currently we have stable coins. If you're not aware of what they are, a stable coin is basically a token that represents a dollar. So if I give you a dollar, if I give a company a dollar, they give me back a token that represents that dollar and it's stable. It's a stable coin. It's stable with a dollar. That token is always supposed to be worth a dollar. And it, and, and it really got um, popular and famous with uh, Tether being the first one because it made it very easy to trade Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to go in and out of dollars. Because in the beginning days, uh, cr crypto exchanges didn't um, accept any form of dollars. And so if I wanted to get out of my position, I could go to a stable coin token. Um, whereas today, a lot of exchanges now do operate in U.S. dollars, so that's kind of taken away some of that. But we have all these stable coins, and there's lots of them out there now, and they're really getting out around the world, which, um, you know, from a central bank, uh, especially from a Federal Reserve, U.S.-centric viewpoint of a central bank, that's a good thing because there's more dollars going out to the rest of the world. More people are using dollars. Now, I've... Uh, I think it was a week or two ago, I was talking about this whole meltdown of this Luna Terra stablecoin token. I don't want to go super deep into that again, um, but that was one form of a stablecoin. And that was this algorithmically controlled stablecoin where they were trying to create this fancy, complicated algorithm that the stablecoin, when you give them the dollar, that dollar token that you now receive would be redeemable, not for a dollar, but redeemable for a token, that uh, a Terra Luna token, that you would get a dollar's worth of it. But what happened was the valuation of those Terra Luna tokens went from about $50 billion down to zero. So there was no dollar's worth of those tokens left to get. So that's a big problem. I broke all that down for you. So when you're looking at stable coins, you have a couple different ones. And so what I warned, and I would continue to pound the table on warning, is that any stablecoin token that's not backed, or I should say fully reserved with dollars, is going to be a problem. And why do, why do I say with dollars? Well, what a lot of these uh, stablecoins like Tether have done is they say they're, quote, fully reserved. But what are they reserved with? That's the question. If they're reserved with Terra Luna tokens that become worthless, then there is no, there's no reserve, right? There's no value there. And what happens is it creates these runs on the bank. So if, if I'm holding these tokens, you're holding these tokens, and we start to think that maybe there's a chance we don't get our money back, then we'll all quickly go to redeem those tokens, and there won't be enough money left because they're fractionally reserved. They don't have all the reserves. So I think it's important to understand that. And, um, as far as I know, there's two different stable coins that are fully reserved with dollars. That's USDC and that's um, GUSD. So those are the only two that are fully reserved. The other ones I'd be watching out for. But she's talking about, and so, okay, so then um, I made the case in this other radio show 
podcast is that um, these stablecoin companies that are doing this, like Terra Luna and all these other ones, it's sort of like this free banking period that the United States had back in the late 1800s, where a bank would open up, they'd create their own currency, and they all had their own different risks and rewards and paid out their own interest, and many of them blew up. This was the reason why they gave us for creation of the central bank. And they said, all these banks are blowing up, and all these people are losing their life savings. And so we should create a central bank the Federal Reserve, to backstop all of these other banks. And so if one of these banks fails, then we'll put the money in so the people don't lose their deposits, which, you know, sounds like a pretty good idea right off the bat. A couple things that are wrong with that. One, um, that takes away competition. So banks should survive and fail based off of how good they are, the decisions they make, et cetera. I have the choice, like with stable coins, I could choose to use Terra Luna and I could stake it to earn 20%, but I have to know that there's enormous risk with that. And I could choose to take that risk for 20% if I want, or I could choose to use one that are fully reserved like USDC or GUSD that offer no yield. And then I would say, well, there's no risk and there's no yield, or I can take 20% yield and I could take the risk and it's up to me. And if that fails, that's on me. I took the risk. But what it does is it allows competition. It allows innovation. It allows new things to be tried. It allows me to choose what I want to do. Um, but what, what she's talking about here is creating the central bank digital currency that could then backstop these um, stable coins. That's what she's saying. It could protect them, which is noble. But the problem is that it leads to the central banks creating a bunch of money. And when they create a bunch of money, they create lots of problems and distortions in there. Um, she also wrote that thoughtful regulation is necessary given the recent collapse of Terra USD and Luna. The rapid ongoing evolution of the digital financial system at the national and international level should lead us to frame the question not as whether there is a need for a central bank issued digital dollar today, but rather whether there may be conditions in the future that may give rise to such a need. So she's basically saying, look, um, we need thoughtful regulation because look like this Terra Luna, it blew up and um, there may be more problems in the future. And so we should probably build this out now so that when these problems do come in the future, we're able to handle that. And what I would say is back to actually what I said before, which is these companies should be allowed to innovate. These companies should be allowed to try new things and it should be up to me to decide if I want to work with them or not. Now, what I might like to see, and I was interviewed about this uh, just earlier, what I would like to see is maybe a requirement for more transparency. What I would like to see is, you know, more transparency so I can make informed decisions. But again, that's on me. So I was recently meeting with uh, some of the people, I'm not going to name the name of the company, but I told them straight up, I said, look, you need to have more transparency because for me, I can't work with your company because without that transparency, I don't know what my risk is. And if I don't, if I can't quantify my risk, I can't move forward with you. And so um, I think the market will demand that. I would like to see that. I mean, if, if the regulators want to demand and regulate, that they come out with more transparency, I think that could be a good thing. But I don't think they should take away their ability to innovate. I want to continue to see innovation. I want to continue to see um, people trying new things, progress, et cetera. And I understand it's going to be risky, but it's up to me to decide if I want to do that. Now, Smooth Seas never made a skilled sailor. So if I lose my money... That's on me. And guess what? I probably won't do that again. And if I do do it again, then I probably shouldn't have the money in the first place. And I know that's a harsh reality, but that is the truth. That's the way it goes. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies um, and so much more because it is so exciting. Um, 
And Bitcoin is, is the fastest growing asset over the last 12 years. And JP Morgan says it is an undervalued asset by about 30% just now today. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. I'll be back with a lot more, so don't go away. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution. And we were talking about um, stablecoins, CBDCs, um, how the the Federal Reserve Chair, uh, uh, Lel Brainerd, says that they think that they should have CBDCs to backstop stable coins. Pretty interesting. But talking about central banks, we also saw this week something really big, which was a convention of central bankers. And it's not the first time this happened. We have these uh, central bankers that get together. Of course, um, almost not every, but almost every nation has their own central bank. Of course, the United States, that's the Federal Reserve. In Europe, it's the ECB, European Central Bank. In Japan, it's the J- Bank of Japan, BOJ, etc. And of course, smaller nations have um, their own central banks as well. Now, fun fact, um, in the Communist Manifesto, written by Karl Marx in uh, the late 1800s. He gave a 10, 10 points of what needs to happen in order to get this Marxism, this socialism, communism into play. Uh, point number five is that each nation should establish a central bank. 
So central banks are part of the Marxist plan. Central banks are communist in nature. It's number five in this 10-point plan. Now, also fun fact, I wrote a book called The Uncommunist Manifesto, which basically took the same format, same four chapters, same length, and I just rewrote it, and I gave my own 10 points. And of course, I said that we should abolish all central banks. I'm not a big fan because nobody should be creating money from thin air, forcing us to use it and enriching themselves. Nobody should do that. It's not about taking it from one group of people that are bad and giving it to another group of people that are good. It's about nobody should be able to control it. But anyway, back to the conversation here. And so these, uh, these 44 different countries sent representatives from um, 32 central banks and 12 other financial institutions. And they all got together in El Salvador to learn strategies about financial inclusion. Participants in this financial forum are members of the Alliance for Financial Inclusion, or AFI, an organization that promotes and develops economic policies to help improve the lives of poor and unbanked populations. So Alliance for Financial Inclusion, AFI. Now, why, why do they need an alliance for financial inclusion? Think about this for a second. Now, I believe that this, uh, this smartphone I have in my hand right here is the great equalizer. With this phone, I could learn anything. I can go on YouTube, I could learn anything. I could meet anybody on social media. I could do almost anything with this. You have kids, teenagers, anywhere in the world with Instagram account that could make $100,000 a year or more. It's the great equalizer. Except, what if... I'm not allowed to be in the financial system, so how could I earn $100,000? Now, you might say, well, what do you mean? <laughs> Who's not able to be in the financial system? And I would say that over 2 billion adults, about half the adults in the world today are not in the financial system. Why? Why do they have this AFI, financial inclusion? Why about half of the adults in the world today don't have access? The answer is mostly permission. They don't have permission. So if I'm a 15-year-old kid growing up in Iran, for example, I'm not allowed to join the financial system. They don't allow me. I don't have permission. Also, it's a cost prohibitive. So if you're in El Salvador, for example, it might cost you $50 a month to have a bank account. But when you only make a couple hundred bucks a month, you can't afford 50 bucks a month for a bank account. So they don't have them. Um, if I run a small little um, roadside stand selling pupusas or some food or coconuts or whatever, <clears throat> well, I need about you know $20,000 a month of revenue in order to afford a merchant account, a, a credit card processor. But if I don't do that much revenue, which they don't, I can't do that. So I have to take cash. I can't be in the financial system. So, system. so there's this inclusion that's not there, mostly because of permission, which of course, Bitcoin is permissionless, meaning anybody can grab their smartphone, whether you're here in the United States, developed world, or any of these third world countries, you can download uh, an app, a Bitcoin app, and you can have your own bank account in your own pocket. And you can instantly be in the global financial system where me sitting here in the United States can instantly send money to somebody in, Sa in El Salvador in literally like a fraction of a second for almost free. Um, but anyway, so they all met here. Um, um, it's an organization that promotes and develops economic policies that help improve the lives of poor and unbanked populations, which sounds great. Again, how can we have uh, equality 
if people aren't allowed to join the financial system. Now, um, El Salvador has been a member since 2012. They've been hosting the latest rounds of meetings for AFI's Digital Finance Services Working Group and the Small Medium Enterprise Services Working Group. And according to El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, um, he said the gathering focused on financial inclusion, digital economy, banking the unbanked, the big and, and the Bitcoin rollout and its benefits. Now, this was not a Bitcoin conference. This was just the bankers around the world, this AFI for financial inclusion getting together. Now, they did happen to get together in El Salvador, which in case you've li been living under a rock, then you already know that El Salvador was the first nation in the world to make Bitcoin legal tender. They have it on their books, on their reserves, and they're working on rolling out a bond, a Bitcoin bond as well. But it is uh, it, it, it's specifically mentioned here that this was not a Bitcoin conference. So we saw in an interview with the Salvadoran state news media, Banji Milabo, a representative from the Zambian delegation in Africa, um, in, in reference to the adoption of Bitcoin, he said, quote, it's a progressive move. It's the evolution of money and the rest of us need to catch up. So he sees it. He sees it's happening. Um, of course, the um, Central Republic of Africa just made it legal tender as well. So it's over in Africa. Um, we're starting to see that. But it says some countries are just not ready for Bitcoin. Um, and so Paraguay's central bank um, released a statement saying the country's population um, were not about the adoption of cryptocurrencies. Um, and it said that uh, right now, because the central bank doesn't issue them, that they're not legal tender. Um, so it wasn't a Bitcoin conference, but they're there for financial inclusion. And of course, they're in El Salvador where they're using Bitcoin for financial inclusion. And I'm sure they're all taking notice, which is why they're there. It went on to say that, quote, the majority of attendees are not low-level bureaucrats. So the attendees were not just a bunch of low-level people, but they were central bankers and decision makers, and their decisions will impact their home countries, which is pretty big. So El Salvador's the Bitcoin model. Eight months ago, they you know they they adopted it. They made it legal tender. Like I said, they put it on their books. What they've seen is that uh, I didn't look up this number off the top of my head. I think it was. Uh, the amount of capital that's flowed into El Salvador since they announced this is like up 600%, I want to say. And so what do other countries notice? Well, they go, well, shoot, if they got 600% more investment into their country, then maybe I could adopt it and I could also get investment into my country, right? So they see what happened, they see what the result is, and they want more of that. They see that, again, this financial inclusion, so all these people in El Salvador that haven't been able to get a bank account, if I want to send somebody money in El Salvador, I have to go to Western Union. They have to get on a bus, go to San Salvador or wherever they're at, go to ride a bus an hour or two, get the cash, ride back on the bus an hour or two, maybe get robbed, you know, hopefully not. Um, and they lose, depends on the amount because it's like a dollar percentage, but maybe they lose 20% up to 30% of their money gets taken up in fees. I don't remember all the numbers off the top of my head. I've been to El Salvador working with them, but um, imagine if they could get money sent to them instantly and free. If I could send it from my bedroom in my underwear, they could get it in their bedroom in their underwear, and that 30% taken in fees aren't taken. Imagine if all that, I think it was, uh, I don't know, 40% of their GDP is remittances. Forgive me if I'm wrong on that number. But imagine if 40% of their GDP 
they could increase it by 30% because that's what's getting, getting eaten by fees. And that's exactly what's happening. And now that money can be used to be spent in the nation on other more productive things instead of going to someone like um, Western Union. Um, it's amazing what's happening. Now there's a lot more to talk about, um, but that is the big news um, it's changing and it's changing fast. Don't be sleeping on this information. You're listening to the Mark Moss show talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution. Thanks for listening. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with with Zumo Play.